Aguinaldo! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. I think I can answer Brock's question. We're right here. Where the buff dudes at? Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland Smith with you. <laughs> Perfectly timed there. Uh, this is going to be a fun three hours here, getting ready for the start of a huge final month of the season. Mariners enter atop the AL West. Uh, yes, they're technically tied with Houston. They have the tiebreakers. So we're going to dive into all of that. Uh, Mora and Justin are here as well. Gary Hill joins us at 7.30. Shannon Dreyer at 9. Uh, Michael Bumpus also sliding in for Blue 88 at 7.45. But first... And the most important thing we have to talk about, do you guys see the shirt I'm wearing for those that uh, can't see? I'm wearing a pickleball shirt. That is not the most says important thing we have. Bainbridge Pickleball. <laughs> you know what? Like, it is the most important thing because, Mora, there is a long-standing invitation to a Ryan Roland Smith, and he keeps ducking me to play pickleball. First Whoa. of all, there's no invitation. There's right? absolutely an invitation. The only person I'm ready to go every this, weekend. No, no. The only person in this room who continues to bring it up. <laughs> well, I don't even need to. I've got some really good... Really, really good info when we, when I jump on the radio. Do I not, right? Wyman and Bob, I have some good times, good laughs. I have some just amazing insight, stuff that no one's ever heard before. <laughs> just amazing. But I, I know I've got about 20 minutes when I talk to you guys once a week, and I usually, pretty much every time, a good three or four minutes worth of bringing up the pickleball, the, the, the match of the century, Right, it's going to be sponsored and have a huge crowd, and you just keep kind of blowing it. Oh, up. I'll see you in Edmonds on Sunday. Now you're saying there's an invite. I didn't even notice that shirt. That's so that's totally bring something. It to your attention. Yeah, it's gray. It's long sleeved. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I, I don't even see Sunday. I, Sunday I don't even morning see when I come in. More, I Wait. see more as hoodie. By the way, throwing I love it the out there right now. Okay. Sunday morning in Edmonds. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm going away. Oh, little, see, he's always ducking me. Little trip okay. right after this. All right, all right. I no, like, that's good. Like we'll get to it eventually. Competitive thing because we are going to pit you guys against each other in a game. Oh, later. Ooh, all right. So we can finally decide something. Uh, that'll be at eight thirty. <laughs> the pitch clock game. I hear you've done this. I have not. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Ryan, we look at this AL West, and right now the Mariners are there. The Astros are tied as well. What do you think will be? A key factor or some of the key factors that decide this division because the schedule plays out, unfortunately, very nicely for mm-hmm. the Astros. They have 15 of their next 21 at home. They have that easy stretch that the Mariners just encountered. They have the second easiest schedule remaining. Hey, they get that little Royals glow up that the Mariners had. So we yeah. look at schedule, you look at health or, or look at pitching. What will be the factors that decide this race? Well, first of all, I don't like it when people say, well, oh, look at the schedule. Look at the t- last two teams they just played. Like, you know, there's all this, you know, you, you, you watch the, the team about to head off to, well, they already have. Have, but they got on the plane heading off to New York. They're all wearing the tracksuits. Mm-hmm. They're having that little team meeting. Got some social content with Scott Service and you know, bringing in Run DMC. The whole bit, right? And then then you hear that you go on on social like, oh yeah, but they just played the Royals and, and the A's. So when when you when you lump that in, you know what? Everyone's plays the plays the Royals and the A's in this last run, and, and everyone has played them in the last couple of months, et cetera, and other bad teams or whatever. So when I look at that, I, I don't factor that in a whole lot. What I do factor in, though, I think this is going to come down to this. If you had to boil down, like, what part, what aspect of each team is this going to come down to, or how are you going to win this? I'm going to say the bullpens. What I mean by that is this, right? The Astros are starting to surge just like the Mariners. I mean, they are – they scare me way more than the Texas Rangers. They do. 
But like you saw in that series against the Astros, I think this is going to come down to when you get to that fifth or sixth inning, what do you have left in the tank? What do you have left? I'm not just talking about ability-wise. I'm not talking about that shutdown reliever. I'm talking about your fourth or fifth guy in the depth chart when you're talking about a bullpen. Who is it going to be who's going to get that one or two innings to take the pressure off your back-end guys so they're not getting overused and they're not getting you know pushed too hard when you're talking about getting to midway through September? That, to me, is going to be that, that, that final factor. I think both – and again, I'm not, the Rangers are collapsing, right? We've seen. They've had some issues with the bullpen. I don't see that continuing as much as what we've seen. But I think that's going to be – that that final straw for each of these teams when they look when they go in these next couple next couple series does that go hand in hand with starting pitching because you have for both teams and it's kind of freaky how similar these rotations yeah, are at the Astros and are. Mariners you have two young pitchers for both of them JP France and Hunter Brown for the Astros mm-hmm. Brian Wu Bryce Miller for the Mariners with these guys all going beyond what we know to expect is that the big question mark? Like, how long can Miller and Wu last, and will they be able to hold up over these final what four to five starts of the season? Yeah, and and that's great point, right? You've got a situation where I feel like we hear all this stuff about you know with Brian Wu and, and Bryce Miller. When it comes down to it, when you're talking, let's say you've got a handful of starts left, right? Start number three, start number four, just like we saw with Bryce Miller the other day. When he went into that start, first of all, you're coming off the Luke Weaver start where he. Pitch into the fourth inning, and they and by the way, credit to him. I will say this: I know he didn't look great. He's got two days of rest. He gets told two hours prior yeah. to that game, and then they're like, "Hey, just like literally, literally, Justin Hollander." I was talking to him before the game. He's like, "Hey, man, listen, just try and get contact. Just try and get as deep as you can because we're we're on on the ropes here with everything, like in regards to the bullpen, everything." Because okay, so going back to to. The, the comparison with, with um, France, you mentioned Je- France, Hunter Brown, and then you mentioned Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. I don't feel like when, – when you look at that on paper, you think, well, the Astros kind of have the, the leg up because they don't have the res- same kind of restrictions that we keep hearing about, especially with Brian Wu. I think – and this is back to what I was trying to say. By start number three, start number four, if Brian Wu, right, regardless of how many innings he threw last year or – you know, he's pitch count in the last couple of starts. I know they're trying to take it easy on him. But look, well, this is mid-September. This is – this. you may never get this opportunity ever again. I'm not saying him personally, but for the Seattle Mariners. They may say those things, but when it comes down to it, you're in that fourth or fifth inning and you're 70 pitches, 80 pitches in. He's, they're going to push him five, six. I don't think that's going to be a big as bigger issue – as what it kind of says on paper when you talk about, oh, they've got so many restrictions. How are they going to juggle this? And I've said it. I'm guilty of it too. The last couple of weeks, I'm like, how are they going to juggle this rotation? I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. And honestly, when you compare the two, you're talking about Hunter Brown. We've got a chance to see him and France in Houston and with Bryce Miller and Brian Wood. I think when you take away those restrictions, I think the Mariners definitely have a leg up when you're talking about that back end of the rotation. Will they <laughs> – to get back to restrictions a little bit, because with Wu specifically, because he has the history of arm injuries and he's just coming off an injury a couple of weeks ago, is this something where maybe the next couple it's still, okay, we're going to see where he is on pitch count, and then you take everything away. Those final starts, the final couple of weeks in September, it's like, all right, we got to get you six or seven if you can. I think, that, I think that's, just, oh, that's off already. Uh, not, not to us. <laughs> not officially. We're, not officially, yeah. no. No, not officially. Now, if they see something, obviously, just like any starter – that looks like, oh, he's starting to fade, which they do. They do a great job of monitoring that. But if he looks strong, 
You watch, man. There's going to be, oh, well, yeah, he looked good, and we you know, we monitored this. Oh, but he threw 98 pitches. <laughs> oh, yeah, but he, that, that's what I'm trying to say, right? I think it's going to be a situation, regardless of what they've said to him or, or anything. Because, look, I've talked to so many guys who have played in the playoffs, so many guys down that stretch that where they're a young player and they've heard this and that about pitch restrictions or no one cares, once you get in the middle of September, no one cares. It's basically, you know what? If you're pushing through here and we need to win, that this is all that matters. Like I said, this may be – I'm not saying it is going to be the last time Brian mm. was ever in this situation. But once you get to the middle of September, all that's out the window. You know what? He looked really good too on Monday. I mean, yeah. we did the post game show after that outing. He went six innings, sixty nine pitches, extremely effective. Right. I think just something like that, right? That's exactly what All the right. Mariners need. You yeah, don't okay. have to get him seven or eight if he can give you six clean like he did there. Yeah, and he threw what sixty nine pitches, yeah. right? Now, if he had thrown, if he'd gone six, if he looked like that and getting first pitch strike percentage, which was through the roof, and he looked efficient, he looked healthy, and looked like his heart rate was good, and it throughout it wasn't a high stress, high leverage situations that he that he. In, uh, induced, eighty-five pitches. It doesn't yeah. ninety pitches. Oh well, yeah, he looked good, and, and that's. Good. I'm not saying they're trying to spin it anyway or, or um, deceive anyone. I'm just saying once you get in the middle of September, no one cares about any of that, those kind of restrictions. Neither does Brian Wu or Bryce Miller, for that matter. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot more to dig into with this. So we're going to get back to this uh, with Gary Hill at 730, certainly uh, at 830 and 845 and with Shannon Dreher as well at nine o'clock. But uh, there is some major more breaking news in college football. The realignment continues across college sports. So uh, we'll get to that to you next. This is the Brock and Salk Show. Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland Smith in on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. All three AL West division contenders were off yesterday. They are back in action today. Mariners face off against uh, Kodai Senga and that ghost forkball. Have you seen this guy yet this season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of him? Filthy. No, he's yeah. good. Filthy. Just, I mean, command's not as good as you'd want it, but no, he's, he's, got, he's got good stuff. <laughs> he does. So that's a, that's a tough one to start the 10-game road trip. That'll be the opener today at 4-10. Pre-game begins at 3 o'clock on Seattle Sports. We have the Rangers hosting the Twins for 3. That starts at 5.05. The Astros begin a stretch of 15 of their next 21 games at home. The series against the Yankees at 5-10 first pitch. So you don't read too much into the schedule, but this is a Yankees team that uh, you know they unloaded a couple of guys, got rid of Bader, got rid of Donaldson. Are they going to have any fight against the Astros? Uh, I I don't think so. I mean, we, we look at the schedule all the time. I mean, I think the Yankees were starting to push a little bit, like st- start to flick it around. Got rid of Josh Donaldson. You know, I mean, I've heard some things about regard regarding personality-wise and the clubhouse are probably a little bit looser, kind of like the Mariners when they came out of that trade deadline. Everyone just kind of chilled out and finished up strong. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of fight for sure. But, again, the Rangers, man, it's, a cr- it's crazy. When you think about it, they went 14-20 the first 60 games since then, sub-500, not the same. Yeah, and down in Tacoma last night, uh, Jared Kelnick was the DH. He hit second. He singled in his first at bat and finished the game one for three with a walk and two runs scored. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, we have hit September, so rosters expand to 28 today. And Ryan will find that out at some point before the game, I assume, because guys will be on the roster. But uh, Ryan Divish noted on Wednesday that Sam Haggerty was in the clubhouse. He also said Adam Aller, but then we saw the Rangers, may, or the Astros, and 
Rangers did not make a waiver claim. The Mariners did make a waiver claim, though, yesterday. So they have a couple of guys and a few people that could be up on the roster when rosters officially expand. We'll get an announcement sometime before the game uh, later today. And what did you think about all these waiver moves yesterday? The Reds claimed Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. And the Mariners play them on Monday. They play in Cincinnati on Monday. And the Guardians, they grabbed everyone. Yeah. They took Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore from the Angels. Uh, you might have heard Jerry Depoto talk about that uh, a little bit earlier. It does seem like a strange process where if you're a team in that waiver priority, you can just take as many guys as you want. Yeah, I mean, you can just pick take them, pick them all up if you like. It's, it is a really strange process, especially because you've got these high-profile guys making guaranteed money. For example, like you know, Mike Clevenger doesn't get claimed. He's basically going to be like, yep, yeah, welcome back. Come right back. You can pitch the rest of the year. I was kind of surprised about a guy like Clevenger not getting claimed, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Because he's had the second half of the year, he has been really good, like dominant. Um, and even if you pick him up and you pay what, a couple million bucks, you could at least slide him into your bullpen if your rotation's full, especially uh, with the, the rosters expanding. But it is a strange, strange process. I feel like this is going to be a new trend, though. Um, for so many different reasons, right before September 1st, we start seeing guys get put on waivers. The salary dump. Yeah, that, yeah. and then just positioning yourself better for the tr- the draft next mm-hmm. year and you know, getting and, and dropping that payroll. So you, um, And if you do lose a big free agent, uh, you know, the, Mar- the uh, Angels, would, if they lose Shohei, all of a sudden that draft compensation gets pushed up. So I think this may be a new little, hmm, this is interesting, and teams may follow suit in the next couple of years. It's just kind of strange. I hate seeing when players yeah. just start getting thrown on waivers. Yeah, end of August. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Cleveland uh, plays the Rangers in two weeks, so we'll see if all those new shiny toys help out. Maybe they could uh, give the Rangers a little bit of a setback. Now, how about this night for Ronald Acuna Jr.? Last night, he hit a grand slam in the second inning in the Braves' 8-7 to win over the Dodgers. He's the first player in MLB history to have a 30-home run, 60-steal season. Do you also realize, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, I don't know if you if you have this in front of you, you got married too yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, is that that's legit? Like, I'm not making that up, am I? No, I looked no, at that. I was like, is this some? That's the story. He's yeah. the man of the day. Yeah. And, and hey, by the way, the, the big thing that stands out to me is the is the stolen bags. I love mm-hmm. when when you have a player like that. A team's not afraid to make him run and risk injury. That's kind of been the big thing. I, I think with Julio Rodriguez, as years go on, they're going to start shutting him down at first base, not not stealing bags. I don't want to see that. I want to see guys steal bases, and that's why the Braves. I'm, I'm telling you, I know a lot of home runs. Etc. That's what makes him so dynamic. Pitching with guys like that at first base, I'm telling you, you're just going to get better quality pitches at, this, at the well, plate. When uh, when they were throwing that stat out there, everyone was throwing around the the 30 60. I was like 60 what? 60 stolen bases. Oh, because yeah. you look at the Mariners, Julio has the most with 35, then right. Jose Caballero with 25. Right after that, it's Jared Kelnick with 12. So uh, I want to see yeah. guys like back in the 70s, you know, like 70 stolen bags. That was the best. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, we have some more realignment news in college football and, well, college sports. I kind of say football because these are all primarily football-driven moves. But the ACC presidents and chancellors have voted to extend formal invitations to Stanford, Cal, and SMU. So the Pac-12 now is officially completely deteriorated and broken apart. They've had teams leave for the Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC this offseason. And it's just uh, Washington State and Oregon State the two left uh, holding the receipts. So tough news there for uh, the Cougs and uh, the Beavs, and we'll see what happens. But Wilds, you have uh, an entire Coast Conference of the ACC that now stretches from college teams in Boston 
San Francisco, Oakland area, and all the way down to Miami, and then throwing a team from Dallas now. Yeah, it's crazy. And again, I'm not never played college baseball. I never, you know, with college sport, I, I follow it a lot because I got kids coming over from Australia and what have you. But the the what is happening with college sports right now? It's insane. It's the the transfer portal to me is the biggest mess on the app on the planet. And this is I'm not talking about football, especially I mean, in baseball. Yeah. It creates such a mess it is they need to figure that out and then when you start seeing all these realignments in the conferences man it's like you're asking what is going on where is this going to lead to it's been pretty crazy watching yeah so last night uh, Utah actually the shining hope for the Pac-12 this year is all the teams they have ranked in their final year as a conference Utah played Florida Florida's quarterback started at Wisconsin last year and you see that just everywhere that quarterbacks and are kind of shopping around and going from crazy. place to place, so it is crazy. Uh, that is everything you need to know. And yes, by the way, Utah did beat Florida last night, so this uh, first week for the Pac-12 and their final season starts off on a good note. Uh, five teams ranked in the top 25. It's going to be an interesting year, especially because it is uh, all breaking up. But that is everything you need to know. Up next, Gary Hill Jr. will join us, one of our favorites. It'll feel like a Mariners broadcast again, Ryan, as we almost do a little post game here early on a Friday morning. He'll join us to preview this Mets series and talk about the exciting September ahead. Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith with you. It's the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This, this is Brock and Song. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith with you here on Brock and Salk. Gary Hill Jr. will join us in a second from the Mariners Radio Network. Uh, you had just brought up the fact that you were fascinated by Kodai Senga's ghost forkball. Well, no, no, no. I wasn't. Didn't the say the I was. name of it. The name of it. Yeah, how uh, it got named. Yeah, um, because you can just do whatever you want when you. He, he's like fun that. to watch, man. That pitch is filthy. If, he, if it's down, it is nasty. But I was just curious because you mentioned ghost forkball. I'm like, was that a de, maybe Depoto or someone came up with that, or is that just? I think is that what everyone calls named, it. I think everyone calls that. He just oh, he named the pitch somewhere. Gotcha. So it was hidden, and uh, we'll, we'll just we'll we'll ask Gary Hill in a second because he knows everything. <laughs> yeah, but. It's you could just name a pitch whatever you want. We were talking about that earlier. Like if you could name a pitch, what would you name it? Oh man, like one of my pitches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or if you if you had Gravity a pitch, ball, worth, if you had a pitch worth naming, <laughs> what, what would you name it? Well, you can think about that. We don't have to figure that out now because uh, Gary Hill does join us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Uh, Gary, we were just talking about how this kind of feels like. Did we talk too long after Mariners post game, and it's still like the early hours of the morning? But uh, I guess we're here doing a radio show. It's not a Mariners post game. We're getting ready for a Mariners game. How are you? How was the trip out to New York? Uh, very good. What time were you up this morning, Lefko? Like, how, like three, what's going on? 3.30. So I don't really know what's happening. <laughs> I'm going to stumble over some words. You know, if I start to not make sense, just, just roll with it, please. So, yeah. Boy, that's early, man. Gary, um, I didn't I didn't get a picture of you in the Run DMC tracksuit, so I can only imagine you were not invited to take part of that. And I, and I just have to ask why. Why were you not given one of those tracksuits? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I will say it's tricky for me to pull off that look, so I'm not sure I could have done that. But uh, it's a phenomenal look. It's my favorite thing in the world, and it feels like with the Mariners wearing that, they will never lose another game. Yeah, I was going to—that's just how I feel. That's, I mean, I was going to ask you about that. I, I know some people think, okay, you know, should a team be doing that when they have a critical stretch ahead? And you know, that criticism is coming from the Astros fans who are all bent out of shape 
for some reason. <laughs> but what, is that, what does that say about this group, about how loose they are, about how much fun they're having, that uh, in the midst of a very competitive race, you see a scene like that in the clubhouse play out before this trip? Well, I think, first of all, what we've all learned is you should never listen to Astros fans. I think that's the most important thing to do. Uh, secondly, you know, it's funny. Baseball is just different than every other sport. I feel like teams play better when they're loose and having fun. And, you know, I, I feel like we've seen this play out on the field with the Mariners because it, it's a it's a sport where, especially hitting-wise, like the harder you try, often the worse it gets. And I think we saw the the early season struggles where guys, you know, especially with guys aboard, people were guys are just trying so hard to be the guy come up with a big hit that it often works against you. So I am all for things like this. Uh, it breaks some of the tension. The season is so long too. like stuff like this, especially when you're in it, you're in the grind. You have all these long trips, especially with all the long flights that we have. It really helps break it up and have some fun. And at the end of the day, fun is great. This team is fun. They should be having fun. This whole thing is fun. So, yeah, I love it. Gary, speaking of what you like to do for fun, all right, where do we run today? Give us the location, how many miles. I know you've gone for your run already, right? No, I'm going to go right after the call. Yeah, I was – this call is kind of in between. I was was going to go first. My bad. bad. That's left goes for Yeah, Yeah, so – uh, Central Park is my New York spot, nice. and I love running Central Park. It's one of my favorite spots we go. So I'll probably get uh, seven miles in after this. Oh, I'll feel, seven. I'll feel, Ooh. yeah, because I, d- I like doing the whole thing, like all around. Central Park uh, is pretty big <laughs> when you start going <laughs> through it. So, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be toast by the end, but I'll feel great about it. So hey, that's the plan. Gary, after you run, right, We the, obviously the man to start this stretch uh, in New York. But looking around the division, obviously the Rangers and the Astros, it's all going to come down to these three teams, you know, when you're talking mm. about once you get to T-Mobile Park that last week of the season. But who, if you had to choose the team that you're, I'm not going to say the most scared of, but the most worried about, is mm. it what, what, who we got? The Rangers? Are they going to clean up this bullpen situation? Or is it the Astros because they're surging? Who, 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 who are you most worried about out of these two teams? It's the Astros. And it probably is the Astros for the entire American League for me, uh, whether you're talking about the stretch run or you're talking about the playoffs. And part of it is they're just a team that's been there so often. Uh, and part of me is they have two of the scariest dudes in their lineup. When you talk about Alvarez and Tucker, I think they're great and they're a problem. You know, the thing about the Astros, though, I will say, is I don't think they're the same vintage that we've seen the last couple of years because I don't think the rotation is as scary as it's been. I think their bullpen is still really good, but the rotation isn't quite the same. So they are the scariest, yet I don't think they're the same that they've been. And Texas, to me, like the bullpen is a big flaw right now, and the rotation is not as good as it was early in the season. I, I think Texas has some real issues they're going to have to contend with down the stretch. They can still hit. That's not going to go away. But the pitching thing, I think, is an issue. Gary, speaking of uh, this rotation for the Mariners, what are your expectations for Bryce Miller and Brian Wu down the stretch here over these final, what, maybe four starts or so? Because this is uncharted territory for these guys. It really is. And it's hard to know exactly what we're going to see given that. Although they both look great. 
in their last starts. I mean, the, the stuff has been really good. I would expect not to see either go deep into ball games, really, although Miller's been fine in that regard. And I think the innings issue is more of a woo issue than a Miller issue because Miller threw 130 plus last year. This still is uncharted territory, but not as much so as woo. And so I wouldn't expect to see Wu more than five innings at a time for the most part, unless he's ultra-efficient, which he happened to be last time out. But uh, as long as the stuff is still the same, I expect him to be as effective as they've been. They've been, they've been better uh, than you could possibly have imagined. I, I still marvel at where this rotation is, considering the loss of Ray and Marco, especially the amount of innings that you lost from your rotation last year and the fact that they've been better as a group this year, I find fairly ridiculous. And part of that is this is the best one, two, three the Mariners have ever had in the rotation. You look at F4 right now and they have three of the top 10 in the American league in terms of F4 starting pitchers. And I think that is amazing uh, that they've been so good. Two guys are going to be, like, there's no clear-cut Cy Young Award winner, I think, in the American League right now, and you're going to hear Castillo and Kirby's name both mentioned in that award conversation, which is pretty fun. Gary, I just want to get back to Brian Wu and, and Bryce Miller, especially Brian Wu, right? So we were talking before you came on, and my thought was this. Like, the Mariners, do you still feel like, even if you're talking you know, mid-September, right, or you get to mm-hmm. September 20th and there are a couple starts in, do you feel like the Mariners – are just going to be like, you know what, pitch restrictions, whatever. If Brian Wu is just dealing and he's just rolling through and maybe the bullpen's short hypothetically, whatever it may be, or do you feel like they're just going to roll him out and say, you know what, hey, hang with him, you're going to go 100 pitches here and and go all out? Or do you feel like they're still going to say, you know what, no, we care about this kid. Obviously they do regardless. And we care about – you know, 2024, 2025, et cetera. I get all that. But at the same time, I mean, this may be, I hate to say it, but this could be the only time that he's ever in this stretch. Do you, do you feel like there's a possibility or you think they're going to be, nope, put their foot down, this is how it's going to go. We're going to keep this restricted. I think they'll be careful with Wu. And I think part of it, it'll be a start-by-start thing. And I think they'll just see how it goes because they look for indicators. This is not... They're not one of these teams that think, oh, it's a 20% increase from the year before, because I think we've all learned that that was kind of made up. I mean, pitch restrictions are all just uh, pitch innings, rather, uh, inning jump from year to year. No one really knew what they were doing in that regard, and it's just kind of what the industry was doing without any science behind it. They're actually looking for indicators in terms of, hey, how's the velo? Where's the arm angle at? You know, all that stuff mm. that they're making sure that looks good when he goes goes to the mound or when any pitcher goes to the mound. So those are the kind of stuff they're looking for. And as far as all that stuff checks out, looks good, I think they'll continue to roll. But I, I just don't see, especially with how good the bullpen is, like I don't think, you're, I don't think you need him to go six in a given start. I know he did last time, but that was, it was a little different because of uh, – just how efficient he was, but yeah. I don't think you. I don't think you need him, especially with the three guys heading the rotation. You're just not going to need him to go six or seven. I don't think. I just don't think that scenario comes up that much. Gary Hill, the Mariners Radio Network, is with us here on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. 
Uh, Gary, not sure if you wandered back on the plane to see if Julio was getting treatment on his foot the entire time or if you huh. went back there to help out. But uh, <laughs> any indication to think that he, he may be out a little bit longer? I know, you know we're not going to know for sure until the lineup comes out. But what do you think happens here with Julio uh, maybe tonight and this weekend? I don't know. I, get, I guess I get the sense that with the off day yesterday that it was perfect timing to just, hey, give him another day. So give him three days in a row. Uh, which makes sense heading down the stretch in September. That's my sense mm-hmm. without fully knowing what's going to happen today. I, I expect to see him in the lineup, but I guess we'll find out when the lineup comes out. But that's that's my general sense. Uh, and I can't wait to see him in the lineup because he's August is like something I've never seen before. Yeah. So I can't, I can't wait to see him back there to see what this road trip is going to look like. I especially can't wait to see him in Cincinnati because – if, if he's swinging like this in Cincinnati, I don't know yeah. where some of these home runs are going to go. We're in the talking river. into the river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be phenomenal. Gary, we've got the Mets coming up. I don't quite know what to make of this team, obviously, <laughs> because obviously the way they, they kicked it off this year, and, and I love the fact that teams want to go out and spam, but then they've traded everyone away. What, what are some of the challenges? What, what, are we, what are we to expect from this series? Um, what are the Mariners up against? Yeah, the most expensive last place team in history. Uh, you know, there are some scary aspects in all seriousness to the Mets. Like Pete Alonso is frightening. And, you know, in a given game, he pops a three-run home run. He can change one game. So when you're talking about a three-game series, like there are ta- there's talent enough there where you can lose a series to the Mets on the road. But that can happen because Alonso pops a home run. Francisco Lindor has a three-hit game. Like, that could happen. That's, you're facing Senga, who's had a really good season. He's been their best pitcher. So this is not a gimme. It kind of reminds me of when the Mariners played the Padres, where, hey, Padres are a below 500 team. But when you start facing that lineup, you now the Mets lineup isn't the same as the Padres, but there are aspects of the Mets lineup that can get you if you're not careful. Their catcher, Alvarez, a rookie, has 21 home runs. So that's kind of how I look at the – uh, the Mets, like kind of like a wounded animal, where you just you got to be careful with this team, or they can get you. Gary, we were also trying to figure out the origins of the ghost forkball, not the pitch itself, but how it was named. And Ryan was very envious of having a pitch named like that. And then we we're trying to think <laughs> oh. of actual pitch names. So, I mean, do you know the actual origins of how it got named that? And then, do you, would you name what would you name a pitch if you could? Oh, that is so good. I don't know the origins of the ghost. That is great. Did uh, Ryan Roland Smith, did you, did you name any of your pitches? Of Anything course, cool? all of them. We had the gravity ball. That was the fastball, the sink, just because the gravity took over because of the speed. Uh-huh. We had, okay. uh, what else we have? The moon. The, I'm, I'm just, I'm, by the way, Gary, I'm making this up as I go. I'm just. just oh, good. I like just, this. Yeah, this is nothing. But I need to think about it. Man. I should have named my pitches. Maybe, you know, maybe. Set some fear in the hitters, I don't know, in the hitters, back of the hitters' mind. I do yeah. know Justin Morneau said to me, he goes, yeah, man, your curveball, I could see it out of your hand every time. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's a good name. Yeah. The transparent curveball. I don't know. <laughs> I got no idea. The mirror? Because they can the see it the whole time. Feet. Here it is. <laughs> uh, the meatball. Come get there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Big, big meatball. Uh, you know, I feel like you've got to attain a certain level if you're going to name your pitches, you know, because you can't name your pitches and then get shelled. I exactly. feel like, oh, so man. No chance. I think that's, 
I think that's the most important aspect of naming pitches. Like if you're Satchel Paige, like, yeah, you know, you're striking everybody out. Name every pitch. That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Gary, we don't want to interrupt your run anymore, so we appreciate you hopping on. Although, I guess it's not as early where you are, but uh, thanks for coming on this morning and get a great run in. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. That is uh, Gary Hill Jr. of the Mariners Radio Network. You hear him in all aspects there. He hosts their uh, Trident talk show. He does play-by-play. He does it all. So great insight there from Gary. Yeah, I lo- from love Gary. Gary. I love it. He's just like, yeah, casual seven miles. See, that's <laughs> something. If, if someone asks me, oh, you're about to go for a run, I would just lie and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to knock out seven miles, really 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> With some walking dog walk in between. Yeah. Uh, we are we're getting some good getting some good name suggestions for your pitches here on the Mac and Jack's oh, text no. line. Uh 425 number text in. The Walker, the lead changer, uh, a lot of good ideas there for Ryan Rowan Smith. <laughs> Harrison Spokane says uh, the dingo ball because it can bite you at any time. So we'll get back to that. We uh, gotta switch gears a little bit and it's time for Blue eighty eight. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Song. All right, those people aren't here today. Instead, you get me, Mike Lefko, and Michael Bumpus playing the role of uh, Brock Ewer, but certainly in better fashion today. Bump, how's it going this morning, man? What up? What uh, what people don't know, I actually was a quarterback in high school my freshman and sophomore year. Got a couple offers to play quarterback, but I didn't want that responsibility, so I went to receiver. All right. Well, you're the perfect (laughs) man to do Blue 88 then. Uh, Question number one for you. So these key injuries to guys that we're expecting a lot out of, Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon, will they be healthy for the opener? And if not, when do you expect them on the field? Oh man! So now I gotta get um, I gotta be the doctor. I gotta be a doctor. Be the now. doctor for me. Went to WSU, yeah. you know, got my my uh, my degree to be a doctor. No, but here's what I think they should do at least. I think that with Jamal Adams, you take your time and you wait two to three weeks. Now he's off the PUP list, the pub list. He's um, technically good to go, but there's no rush, especially this first week. <clears throat> We're hearing Cooper Cup hamstring is in. Um, it's a little little banged up right now too. So he is going to be slowed down a little bit. So there's really no rush, man. You got Julia Love. Kobe Bryant has shown that he can play the position as well. With Jamal Adams, I'm going to wait two to three weeks. I don't think we should see him until like week three or week four. Now, with Devin Witherspoon, it's all about if he practices this week. And even if he practices this week, I still don't think you play him or play him a lot week one against the Rams. You got Mike Jackson over there. Um, you got Trey Brown. Again, Kobe Bryant is probably one of the most versatile dudes on this defense with all the positions that he, that he can play. So there's no rush to get any of these guys in. So I say with Devin Witherspoon, you wait at least another week if he doesn't practice. With Jamal Adams, you got to wait three or four weeks because that injury is for real, and you want to make sure that he's here. People are calling for Jamal's head. These texters and calls is crazy to me. They forget what he's like when he's healthy. So let him yeah. be completely healthy. Give him uh, the best opportunity. All right, question two. Bump, this might be uh, an easy answer. Maybe not. Curious to get your thoughts here. Which rookie do you think will have the biggest impact in week one? Um, and if Jason plays, it's got to be him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
He's going to get the start. He's going to get targets. And as a receiver, we're seeing these guys come into the league and be more ready to go. And there's no pressure on this dude. You got DK Metcalf out there. You got Tyler Lockett out there. They can take some pressure off him. And then we're sleeping on the tight end position as well. I think Kobe Parkinson is going to establish himself as the number two receiver. So technically, he could be the fourth option. But that fourth option is going to be something special because he has the ability to make these big plays down the field, across the middle. I'm excited to see what they do with him. I'm leaning towards JSN, but I think Charbonnet has a chance as well to make some big plays. We'll see what the health of Ken Walker is. But I'm going to the slot. Number 11 is going to get about three, four, five targets that first game if he's available. And he's going to make some noise, man. I'm excited for this receiving core. Number three. Uh, Bump, I'm kind of changing this question a little bit. We can kind of turn it into a two-part question with the news today that Stanford and Cal and uh, SMU are joining the ACC. It kind of leaves Washington State and Oregon State, you know, out in the cold here. Uh, What do you think happens with the Cougs now? Man, this is a uh, a sad day. Well, we knew this day was coming, right? We hear all these rumors about where guys are going and and who wants what. And it makes sense when you think of academics why Stanford and Cal are going that route. But when it comes to travel, man, that's going to be tough on those athletes. Not just the football athletes. I think like the baseball, soccer, all those other guys. Um, so what happens with Oregon State and Washington State? I'm throw them in there as well. Um, man, I think you have to take a strong look at the Mountain West. Now, as a Coug fan, you're going to say, man, that's a step down. But you, you got to realize, man, Boise State is still over there. Uh, you still got Utah State. There's some decent football being played over there. And honestly, we've been in the middle of the pack or towards the bottom for like the last few years now. When Mike Leach was here, we were up towards the top. So I think the Mountain West is probably going to be the move. I would love to get into the Big Ten or the Big 12 or something like that. Um, but it's all about marketing. And I think that... WSU has to do a, a good job of marketing themselves and letting people know that it's not the small market when it comes to TV views that what people think. People think that WSU is bottom of the pack when it comes to views, when honestly they're top four when it comes to eyes on the clues when you play on these major networks. So our, our AD and everyone else needs to get involved and sell the you-know-what out of WSU. But, man, it's looking like it's probably going to be the Mountain West, but I'm hoping for an invite. We're outside the party waiting for an invite. Somebody just let us in and uh, and come get us. Yeah, Bump, it's a shame, too, because this is going to be one of the greatest seasons potentially for the Pac-12. With all these teams ranked to, to start the year, you have such great storylines within the conference, and now it's all kind of under the shadow of, well, it's breaking up after this. So uh, kind of going on what was going to be my original question to you about the Pac-12 this is the final year of the four-team college football playoff. Do any of these Pac-12 teams make it in that playoff? I hope so. What, 2016 was the last time we had a squad in the CFP. Mm-hmm. It was uh, UW, and I think, again, UW has a great opportunity to get in. They don't play USC or Utah this year, so that's going to help their chances. Um, SC is always is going to look nice. you got Caleb Williams over there. You see this offense and what they did to San Jose State last year. I'm, really, I'm a little concerned about the, the run game. San Jose rushed for 198 against them. Uh, and then you got Oregon. Oregon is the weird one because you never really know what you're going to get out of Oregon. They can look good for so long. Then the big game comes up, and they and they mess it up somehow. And then the sleeper is Utah. So you have, what, five teams that are going to be ranked in the top 25. But if I had to pick the two who have the best shot, it's got to be UW and USC. By the way, Bump, next time you see your guy, Paul Moyer, Give him a little grief for uh, Arizona State. They almost lost to Southern Utah last night. Man, I really hope they did because he talked so much. I'm going to be <laughs> on his head next weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Good, good stuff there. Thanks, Bump. That is Blue 88. And, uh, of course, you can hear Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross starting at 10 o'clock right here on Seattle Sports. So uh, I guess they'll hear you then, Bump. Thanks. All right, man. Take care.
All right, that is Michael Bumpus there for Blue eighty eight. Uh, how are you doing there, chiming in with the with the texters on your, on your pitches? Ryan Roland Smith back here to I love it. Kind of weigh here. in on the pitch here. discussion for a couple minutes. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Did well, they give you good ideas for what a pitch you could have? Yeah, you could no, have named? no, they did. I mean, I mean, I'm just rolling through. How, how about the Bogan? But it has to have a reason for the name. I like that though. The two five three says, "How about the Bogan? What do you think about that?" I like it. Um, yeah, you know, Bogan derogatory ta- term towards Australians. That's all right though. I call myself that all the time. Um, let's have a look here. Uh, there was one. Oh, I lost it there. Something I mean, some, some of them are, are, are ripping me. Wait, what day right. is it it's today, fine. Justin? Shot put? There's some big Australian day today, too. Right? Oh, a huge Australian day. Yeah, what I'm is surprised this? that we didn't lead the show with this. You yeah, guys. what's happening today? Australia, New Zealand, and the U.S. signed the ANZUS Pact in 1951. Yeah, I know. So, so big that I, I get here early in the morning. What is that, Ryan? I get this news dropped on me. I'm like, what does that mean? I had to Google it. How sad is that? Well, I, apparently I did find out. What was that, 90, 1951? 1951, the U.S. and Australia have always been pretty tight, you know, like when you talk about they've always got each other's back. I do say this all the time. Like we went down, they had Fleet Week a couple of weeks ago here in down Seattle. They showed the big, you know, some of the, the Navy ships and some of the, um, you know, the what they can do. It's pretty amazing. And I'm sitting there with my eight-year-old, and she goes, Dad, what's Australia? does Australia have Navy? Because I always say, oh, in Australia we've got this. <laughs> and my daughter looks at me, and there's a couple of Americans standing around. And, and and Kenny's like, oh, you know, did, in Australia, did they have, like, Navy ships like this? I said, Kenny, I said, Australia's Navy is some dude with a kayak <laughs> and a shotgun. I said, that's how good it is. And I got some good laughs around me. It was, it was, it was good. So I will say this. You know, Australia's always got – America's back when they need that old man, old mate out there with a kayak and a shotgun that way. Good. There we go. That is Thanks to 1951. I'm not going to get that out of my head. That's good. <laughs> uh, that's a good one to end on. Uh, we'll end on this as well. One more pitch suggestion. The 509 says the 3M. Middle, middle, meatball. Oh, wow. I got <laughs> that. I, it's Friday. It's mean text. I, I got, yeah, apparently, I got, okay. um, just call them all hittable. Someone said I had a good laugh at that. I like it. Uh, yeah, there's a couple others. I don't mind them. Yeah, they're good. All right. Well, I have to, man. keep, keep uh, texting those in. We'll get back to them throughout the show. You have a couple more hours. One more one thing. More? Okay. Gary did say that if you're going to name your pitches, they better not get hit. Right. So. I don't know where. I don't know if I'm if I qualify. So there you go. Yeah, that's right. That's why you never had a pitch name. So that's right. This will just be for for the show today. This will be in your head what your pitches would have been. Uh, but you we guys, appreciate right. all the suggestions. You guys can use these for your uh, pickleball serves. Oh, that's there right. You go. You play each other. So when right. I when I hit that three M when I hit that three M right back at him. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, well, coming up next, as we continue on, on this train of thought, um, this guy could be the biggest X-Factor in the Mariners' division race. It's Rock and Salk with uh, Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith in on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.